Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's just a wonderful time. Man, I pray that you reach out and connect with God in a way that you never have today. Amen. That's my desire to just see everyone, amen, be able to break through whatever's troubling you in their life. Amen. We just want to work together to create an atmosphere. Amen. I know that you brought that with you. Amen. So let's sing together. Amen. The power of your love. Lord, I come to you, let my heart be changed, and read new, flowing from the grace that I found in you. And Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love and your love surround me, oh, breathe me draw me to your side, oh, and that highway, I rise up like the In the power of your love 
knowledge of your love as you
beyond description too marvelous for words too wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen or heard and who can grasp your infinite wisdom who can fathom the depths of your love and you are beautiful beyond description majesty Come on and let's worship Him. Oh, I stand, I stand in awe of You, Jesus. I stand, I stand in awe of You. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of You. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Oh, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. That's just his way of letting me know he loves me. Key of F, I believe. That's just his way of telling me he loves me. It's a love beyond all human understanding. And I won't question trials that bring me to my knees. That's just His way of telling me He loves me. First verse. Let's walk down roads of disappointment. Well, He watches and He knows what's best for me. And my greatest strength comes through my darkest trials. And my greatest joy of knowing That's just His way of telling me He loves me. It's a love beyond all human understanding. And I won't question trials that 
find peace. That's just his way of telling me he loves me. Verse 2. If I'm successful, oh, walking in this valley. Climb the highest hill And the more I try The better He can mold me And change my life completely To fit His perfect That's just His way of telling me He loves me. It's a love beyond all human understanding. And I won't question trials that That's just His way of telling me He loves me. Amen. Make you sing it a little bit differently where I come from, but that's all right. We'll get on the same page after a while. Amen. Let's sing one more before we change the order of our service. Take our special needs to the Lord. Amen. Have that song on my heart. 10,000 reasons. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, I'll worship His holy name. His holy name And the sun comes up It's a new day dawning And it's time to sing Your song again Whatever may pass And whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Come on now. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, how I worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. But you're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great. 
opened your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find oh bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul worship your holy name and sing like never before oh my soul I'll worship your holy name and on that day when my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore oh bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul oh worship his holy name and sing like never before oh my soul I'll worship your holy name sing it again now oh bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul I'll worship his holy name oh sing like never can play something softly and as we take our needs before the Lord man I'd like to ask brother Johnny Reynolds if he would be ready to take these needs to our heavenly father amen we have some family members not present with us man we want to remember those in prayer Um, to mention a few of these uh, brother Peter Coffey and his family are out in Arizona along with brother Tom and sister Kim Amen. For the holidays, if you'd keep them in prayer, God would grant traveling mercies. Amen. To bring them home safely. Uh, there's some folks dealing with the virus at this time. Amen. Brother, uh, the McCafferty family. So we want to remember them in prayer. The Whitlock family. <clears throat> and also the Stevens family. If you could remember those. Dear saints in prayer, God would grant a healing touch to their bodies, to their families, and drive away that sickness. Amen. 
Uh, remember the Cross family? I think they're in Michigan. Is that correct? And so remember them in prayer. Uh, the Paschal family cannot be with us. I mean, from work-related issues. And we have several visitors with us today. It's good to have Brother John Anthony and Sister Hannah with us today. Man, it's always good to see you, Brother John. So God bless you. Man, it's good to have uh, Brother Micah and Sister Grace uh, Byler with us. Sylvester family um, visiting with them. So we'll, we're just glad to have you. And also we have the uh, Brother Steve and Emily Menard with us. Man, so it's good to have that family. Man, we just... We just we have we want want you to feel welcome, you know, and praising and, and, uh, and worshiping with us. I mean, we just want to our church to feel like a home to you. Amen. So welcome. Amen. That's all I have at this time. Amen. Do you have unspoken prayer requests? Man, a need, a special need on your heart. Man, I want you to hold that hold that on your heart as we pray. Amen. We're gonna ask Brother Johnny to take these needs for us. asking, Lord, that you would visit us mightily, that your spirit would move in our hearts and our souls, Lord. Father, that you would bless and protect each one of our brothers and sisters that's not here today, Lord. Those that have been mentioned in the name. Those that are fighting the virus, Lord. You're the only one we can come to, Lord. time of need and our time of desperation. Father, we thank you for the love you show us each day, for the love you show us on Calvary, Lord. Praise your birth and worship and your resurrection, Lord. Dear Lord, we ask your blessings upon this service, Lord, and each one that has a part, we pray that the word would come straight from you, Lord. May you bless us and keep us, Lord, forever in your presence. We thank you, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. You can have your seats. Amen. I invite Brother Keith to do a special for us this morning. Amen. God bless you, Brother Keith. always exciting every time, but this time of the year, it's even, to me, it's just even more exciting. As I typically like to do, these guys had no idea that we were going to do this, so this is always when it's the finest. I've just been excited all week, and uh, you all know this song that we do. We get asked to do this one a lot, but I was just excited all week, and I just got to thinking, you know, what if the Lord come today? How exciting it would be. And if they thought I got carried away this week, just wait till I get to the other side. I'm going to have a full head of hair and I'm going to be shaking that hair just like I'm just going to get carried away. God bless you all. I love you. I'm going to let the glory roll when the Lord's gone. 
Appreciate his presence always and uh, appreciate how good he is to us and how much uh, he supplies and how faithful he is. And uh, we should never, ever let that become a common thing to us. Now, let's sing a little uh, little chorus here just as we begin this morning. And uh, let's do Majesty. Majesty. Sing it together now just as we begin. I'm just singing this here until we thaw out. It's just been really cold over there on the other side. Majesty, worship His majesty. For this opportunity we have to be able to gather into your house. But Lord, before we come into your presence, we would ask you, Lord Jesus, to look at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, forgive us of anything that may hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit here today. 
And Lord, may our lives just be clean before you. And Father, we are so thankful that we have and we enjoy the forgiveness of sins. Because Lord, without forgiveness, we have no communion. And when we have communion with you, Lord, we know that you're able to do all things among us. So Father, may our hearts just be bare this morning. And Lord, as we invite you to come, I pray that you would just speak to every heart, Lord, those that are in attendance here and those who are listening. And Lord, we ask and pray that you would minister to the sick, those that need your healing touch, and those that need strength and your blessing from on high. We commit them to you as well. Father, we just want to say we love you and we thank you for how you provide and all the things you do for us, even the things we don't see or realize that we know it's you, Lord. And Father, we we just want to pause and just say that you're just so gracious to us and so wonderful. We look forward to that day when we will step inside those gates, Lord, and be on the other side with you forever. Have your way now today, we pray. We give you this service. We give you our time here today. We give you our hearts and minds. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. And all the people of God said, Amen. So let's take your Bible, if you will, and we're going to read in a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to let you take your seats. And uh, we'll, we'll start from there. So we're going to Revelation chapter uh, 9, first of all, Revelation, the ninth chapter. And let's begin there. Revelation, the ninth chapter. And we'll read from verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose the smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth had power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as a torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. Well, not exactly the most positive reading this morning as we begin, but I wanted to catch a phrase in there and get you to read before we sat down. But uh, we, uh, we'll we get to back to that in just a moment here this morning. Uh wanted to mention a couple of things that Brother Jaron did not mention, and uh, that is that we uh, want to remember the Morgliers as well who are not here. Uh, they're still in quarantine, and... Uh, we want to hold them up in prayer, and they're doing fine. They just uh, have to be out for a little bit longer. Uh, Brother Roger Clayville had a fall uh, this on uh, Christmas Day and put in the hospital, and he, he was admitted there. Uh, Lord willing, he will have surgery tomorrow, facial surgery, where they're going to do some reconstruction and repair there. So uh, he really needs a, a touch on the Lord. It's been a very difficult thing for him. Also as well, uh, the drums are not here today. Sister uh, Greg, uh, as, as you know, she also took a fall and still recovering from that. Uh, she has highs and lows. We, she's in hospice care, as uh, I've mentioned to you. 
she's still in the home where she lives, and they're, they're dividing that care uh, between the hospice nurses and the regular nurses that are there. Uh, yesterday, one of the nurses kind of pushed the panic button and said that she was not going to live through the day. She did. Uh, as Sister Greg Wood, she rallied and uh, came back. Uh, strong, and uh, she was doing fine. I was trying to get in to see her, but they would not allow me to do that uh, yesterday at least. But uh, I did talk to her by phone, and uh, she has a very difficult time talking, but she did recognize me and recognize my voice and uh, had a conversation with her. And I told her, I said, I'd really like to come down and see you. And it's very difficult, obviously, to get in a, a senior citizen's home today. But uh, sometimes they'll allow you to come in under certain circumstances. And I told her I was going to come down. And, and she got really excited, and she wanted to make sure that I knew where she was. She said, I'm not in my home. She said, I'm in, I'm in this other place. And she was giving me directions and everything uh, to make sure that she knew, uh, that I knew where she was, act- where she was actually uh, staying. So I thought it was good that she was uh, cognizant enough to make sure that I got that message. So... Uh, we're, we're thankful for that. But if you don't mind, uh, keep her in prayer. It's just been every day is a challenge for her. But uh, we, we just uh, certainly want to uh, remember Sister Greg. She's a special person among us and um, uh, just just a real fighter and, and somebody who I, uh, I know that she's not going to she's not going to let go until it's God's time. That's for sure. So we uh, we want to continue to hold her up in prayer. Uh, it's good to have all of our guests and visitors here today. Uh, good to have the Bylers here uh, today, uh, the, all the Pritchard family here. Uh, Brother Sergei, Dobro uh, Utra, Slava Bogo, good to have you with us. It's been a while, but we're glad to have Brother uh, Sergei and his wife with us today, down visiting family, and uh, may the Lord richly bless them. Uh, Brother Maurice, good to have you and uh, family. God bless you all. Uh, good to see you there. And uh, Chris, you've lost your visitor status. All right, so is that okay? Uh, good. All right. Um, great to have the Menards here. Uh, didn't expect that today, but God bless you both. Good to have you here uh, today. And if you brought free coffee, uh, you're not visitors. Uh, God bless John Anthony and Hannah. Good to have them here today. And uh, strangers, we love to have them uh, come by. So good to have them here and all of you. May the Lord richly bless you and uh, appreciate you all being here. I trust that your holiday was good. Uh, saw some of you waddling in, and uh, that's usually a good sign. But uh, it's uh, it's certainly always nice to be together with family. We were going around the table, and one of the one of the kids, one of the grandkids, wanted to have everybody mention what was important about holiday times and Christmas and so forth. And, and uh, our family loves to do that. And so um, just about everybody said the same thing, that just being able to get together with family and just enjoy that time together uh, and, and uh, be able to fellowship together in that way, in that family way, that's just, that's just a, a great thing, especially this year. Uh, it's a great thing. And so we appreciate that always. All right. Two, two quick screens here that I want to give you. Emma McCafferty's birthday was yesterday. Uh, Emma's not here, but uh, they're watching today. December 27th is John Harville's birthday. Really? 
It really is. December 28th, Brother Jeff Jackson's birthday. How old are you, Brother Jeff? 27 and holding. And January 2nd is Connie Reynolds' birthday. Where is Connie? Here she is. God bless you, Sister Connie. Uh, great to have you with us. Now, just one picture here that Brother Elias uh, sent me here, and, and this is a little church that he visited on his way and his journey. You remember last week I showed you a picture of uh, him going to that central area in Tanzania, and they were visiting a Pentecostal church there. And on his way, he stopped in to visit this church. And this one of the, uh, one of the evangelists has been going to this church. And this is just an example that he sent to me. And he said, the mission offerings and the money that you've given, he said, have made this happen. And uh, that is in this right hand in this left hand picture here. Uh, this pastor right here on on the right, uh, he is he just just a little, couple of people, just a little group, and that's their church building behind him. And this brother Isaac, right here next to him in the blue shirt. Uh, he is one of the traveling evangelists, and he goes and, and visits them. And he's been doing it regularly because we've been able to fund uh, his travel. And so this is a little village, just a little area uh, where they live. And the church has grown this much. And so this is 2018. This is 2020. Now, that may not seem like a huge uh, uh, gathering, but it's about double. And in a village of probably a hundred people, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And uh, so Brother Elias was very excited about that and uh, just was uh, very thankful for the support that was given. Uh, Brother Aaron, I just want to say, too, that we, I appreciate the pictures that you've been sending and the information about the Bibles being distributed in uh, Zimbabwe. And we're going to pull some of them together and, and do it uh, maybe where we can have a little... Uh, explanation about those, but we appreciate the Bibles are going out, and uh, Brother Aaron and the brothers there decided to buy some, uh, purchase some Bibles in the Shona language for the people who don't speak English, and so that's been really nice uh, to be able to have that. All right, little preamble, little quote here that I wanted to give you, and I thought this was really uh, a great statement that Brother Branham made, uh, and. In our, uh, in our year, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing where you, you look back over the year and think about all, uh, what a different year it has been. And then looking ahead and, you know, Lord willing, what will happen through our new year. Uh, it, it, it's, it, in a sense, it's been a, a tiring experience or it's been a stressful experience. And I, I think I said last Sunday that it's kind of an invisible stress that we've all had to deal with. And uh, not only here, but in uh, every nation just about on earth. And uh, for nations that have not had much of the virus activity, they've been locked down pretty tight. And it's been difficult in a different way. And so uh, th- this year promises uh, to be different, but people have, uh, you know, a tendency to make promises and so forth. We, we just believe our future is in God's hand. And, and that's what's most important, that you keep that focus, that... Uh, you know, God's in control. He hasn't lost control just because things have, have changed uh, virally in the world. Uh, but I found this statement, and, and I, I found great uh, comfort from it through this week. Brother Branham, in the second miracle in Erie, Pennsylvania, he said it was the angel of the Lord passing through that neighborhood of those things that he had pronounced. And you remember, this is the, uh, the story he's, he's told about that woman who was prayed for and couldn't eat. 
and uh, she she came up to the prayer line, and, and Brother Brandon prayed for her. And next morning, she uh, took the children's leftover breakfast, and she was eating that, expecting that it would, uh, you know, it would turn, and, and she would lose it. And uh, she just kept eating, and she realized all of a sudden she was healed, and went out in the out in the street. And she was so excited and so happy, and went out in the street. And when she was out there, there was one of the neighbors with a bed sheet, and she was waving the bed sheet like this out on the street. And the sister went down and asked her what she was doing. And she said, I was in that prayer line yesterday, and she said that uh, I had a, a cancer I was prayed for. And she said, I woke up this morning, and it was gone. And I took the bed sheet off the bed, and I was waving it out uh, to see, uh, see where it was. And she was so excited, you know, being out on the, uh, out on the street. And, and uh, this other sister told her the same story. And Brother Branham describes this event, and he said, The angel of the Lord passed through that neighborhood. And healed everyone who had been prayed for. And uh, he said it, it was the angel of the Lord that passed through and did those things that he pronounced. And if he pronounces it, it's his obligation, not mine or yours. It's your obligation to keep on believing. It's my obligation to stay here and work for him. It's your obligation to believe what he tells you and God will bring it to pass. What a great statement. If God declares it, if God, if God states it, <clears throat> then it's not our obligation anymore. It's not our responsibility anymore. He's, he's going to perform it. If God said it, He's going to perform it. How many of you believe that? And it's your obligation simply to keep on believing that God's going to do it. Remember, that's what God credited Abraham for. That God gave Abraham and Sarah the promise, and their job was just to believe it, not to make it happen. They didn't have to do anything to make it happen. God made it happen because it's His Word. And God's obligated to fulfill His own Word if He has said it because He doesn't go back on His Word or He doesn't change His mind. It's a very important principle for us. It's a real faith builder. And He said, so it's my obligation, Brother Branham said, it's my obligation to stay here and work for Him. If we were not meant to be here, you know what? We'd be gone. If we were not meant to be here right now, uh, during the time when all these things are changing in the world, we'd be gone. But he's decided that we're still supposed to be here. There's going to be a change of our bodies. There's going to be a taking away, a catching away of the bride of Christ. How many believe that? There's going to be that. And God's going to do that. It isn't going to have to be you uh, to make that change. It's God going to do it. And we just need to believe that he's going to do it. We just have to trust that God's going to fulfill His own Word. So until then, it's my obligation to stay and work for Him, to reflect the kingdom. Remember, uh, let, me, let me tell you something. That, that if the message is true, and I believe that it is, it demands an expression in your life even now. God hasn't brought you into the message just for you to cocoon yourself uh, in, in, this, in this assembly right here and, uh, you know, just go to church, pay your tithes, go to church, pay your tithes, and go to a, well, we used to go to a restaurant. We've got to leave that out now. But uh, just come to church and pay your tithes and, and live at home. Let me tell you, God's given us a greater responsibility than just that. We ought to reflect the kingdom of God in this world and to bring peace in it wherever we possibly can. And shed the love of Christ. I, I, I really appreciate the care that's been given. People in the church have been telling me that uh, those families that are sick or shut in, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, I, was, I was, you know, some of them I've been trying to uh, uh, think about coordinating, you know, maybe we get some food to them. And I said, oh, hey, this family's already been here. This family's already done this. This family's already done that. Let me tell you, that's the love of Christ in your heart. 
That's the expression of Christ among the body. And that's what we should do because we're members one of another. Isn't that right? So when one person hurts, we should be praying at least for one another and doing, uh, doing uh, kind things to one another. That's what we absolutely should be doing. But the, the real message, if it is real and it's, and it's living within us, it demands an expression. And it will bring forth, it causes the Holy Spirit to have an opportunity to bring forth not only rapturing faith in our hearts, but also uh, to reflect the character and the nature of Christ within this world that we live. Because we're still here. And if God wanted to take us out, we'd be gone, but we're still here. So it's my obligation to stay here and to work for Him. It's my obligation to believe that what He tells you, that God will bring it to pass. And to testify of the same. How many believe that? It's absolutely our responsibility to do that. All right, now we've been, uh, let me just, uh, let me just uh, blend that now as we move along here. And uh, we've been talking about this subject of the mark of the beast and the seal of God. We've titled this Marks and Seals. This is number three. Uh, I, I've, I really struggle about uh, this, this whole subject and holding your attention on it because, uh, in a sense, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's got a judgment side of it, like we read in Revelation chapter 9 there uh, today. It's got, a, it's got a dark side to it. Uh, but uh, I, just, I just find that there's a great contrast within this subject as well because there's good news for the believer when we talk about this subject. How many would agree? There's good news for the people of God. All right, so let me just, uh, let me just uh, I- intro a little bit into this and see how, see how far we can get today. This great subject that we're approaching, Brother Branham said, has certainly caused some great controversy, and everybody who has the Internet said, Amen. We have three or four people who have the Internet here. Uh, let me tell you, it, it's nuts. It's nuts when, when, you, when you begin to go look at uh, some of the things, the ideas that are out there and the theories that are out there uh, and the different belief systems that are out there about this subject. It really is. It was controversial back in Brother Branham's day. It's way more controversial now because people have that, uh, you know, that, that broad reach and they have the ability to look at what everybody else is saying about it out there. And so he said, I believe that it's such a great vital part of the Scripture that all Scripture should be taught, and we should not leave any of it out. So because it's in there, we need to know what it really means. And God spoke through the Scriptures about the mark of the beast and how it was to appear in the last day. It's always been since the day of Pentecost, but how it's going to appear in the last day. And there has been many thoughts projected to the people concerning this vital God-sent message uh, warning to the church. And many thoughts and many ideas projected, but many things has been thought and given to the people what this mark of the beast actually was. And of course, like all other scripture, it causes cults to rise and different ideas to rise. But surely if there is such a thing fixing to befall the people of the earth, there should be some gospel sensible answer to the question. And so that's what we've been doing is looking at, uh, looking at the truth about this matter. Let me tell you, I've listened to some of the sermons Brother Brandon's preached on this, and, uh, you know, Mark of the Beast and Seal of God, and he preached on it several times. He did it because he was asked to do it in several uh, assemblies. And uh, when, you, when you take the essence of what Brother Branham taught about this subject, you could fit it in about ten minutes. Because he said it really is a simple thing. It's not a complicated thing at all. It's really quite a simple thing. And uh, the, the, rest of the, uh, the rest of the sermons were uh, built on, on uh, you know, giving a, a foundation for the statements that he made. But uh, he, he said this is really not a complicated thing, and we should not attempt to make it complicated. 
Now, people in the world have all kinds of theories, and I'm not going to go into them. We've shown you some of them. Uh, this is markbeast.com. Now, stop for a second. You don't need to read this, but stop for a second. <clears throat> when, I say, when I say that, you know, don't go researching this, I, I really mean it because uh, it's nuts. It's just nuts. And, and you quickly can slide into a dark area that you don't want to go. And so I've, I've touched the surface of it just a little bit to show you and demonstrate how broad and how confusing a topic this actually is. When Brother Branham talked about the horoscope and he talked about birth signs and the pyramids, uh, he roused a lot of interest among people because uh, people didn't really get the connection between pyramids and the zodiac and birth signs and all that kind of stuff and how it related to people's history and uh, even the scripture. And we know that a pyramid uh, was an expression of the Bible that God chose to, to use, like the heavens, like the book that we have, the pyramid also is God's Bible. And there was a time when Brother Lee Vale jumped on that and began to look at the horoscopes and birth signs that, uh, that uh, were pretty common back then. Jeannie Dixon was a, a really popular person. Uh, back then and had horoscopes regularly. My mother used to read. She was a Catholic and read her horoscope every day. Had us read our horoscope every day. It always said the same thing. But nonetheless, uh, she, she was, you know, there was a lot of people who were very focused on that. And they, they looked at it as, as kind of a gospel. So Brother Vale jumped on it one time and he began to research. And he came to Brother Branham all excited. And he said, Brother Branham, look what I found. And he laid it all out and showed Brother Branham and he, he described the things that he saw about the horoscopes and the stars and the, uh, the constellations and everything else. And Brother Branham listened to him and listened to him. And at the end of it, he just said, Brother Vale, he said, you've gone far enough. He said, don't go any farther with that. He said, you'll go into darkness. And he said, you don't want to go there. And so when I say that, you know, if you, if you go home today and you start looking up the Mark of the Beast in 666, let me tell you, it's nuts. It, it, it's really crazy, and it'll be a complete and utter waste of time. Because what you find them saying is completely contrary to what Brother Branham actually taught, and it becomes confusion. So this is one, one of those sites here, and it says uh, this is the, the so-called so you know, a, a definitive understanding of it. He says the Mark of the Beast will be coming soon. The mark of the beast is a combination of letters and symbols that will be physically and permanently placed on your forehead or your right hand. Most people will consider it an honor to receive the mark. It will be like a key for them that opens the door of acceptance, prosperity, and peace. There will be 666 different ways to get the mark. So the definitive statement here is that this is an outward sign. This is something that's going to uh, be visible by everybody, and it'll be a, uh, you know, a privilege to get it. Here's what Brother Branham said. He said there are two spirits at work in the world. He said one of them is God's Holy Spirit operating in the realm of truth, and I inserted that word truth in there. And he said the other one is the devil's spirit working in deception. So Satan's job is always to take what God says and pervert it or twist it and make it deceiving so that you think you're believing what's right. And the people of the earth now are making their choice. The Holy Spirit is calling out a bride for Christ through the message of the hour. And then the devil's unholy spirit is here calling out his church by the error, as usual, of perversion of, of the Word of God, like he did at the beginning. And remember how he did it at the beginning. It was a very subtle twist of the Word of God. 
right? Just taking a little something that God said and changing the outcome, changing the understanding for Eve there and inserting that in her mind. And, of course, it brought everything down from there. And uh, Brother Manum said that this is what's going on in the earth. So you have to understand, even though there are, uh, I think I mentioned to you, something like uh, 55 million definitions of the mark of the beast on the Internet, uh, there are not 55 million different uh, uh, ways of understanding things. There's only, there's only two forces that are in the earth, right? It's the Holy Spirit dealing in truth and the, and, and the devil operating in the realm of deception. So there's not thousands and millions of ways here. There's only one or the other. And this is very, this is very cut and dried, very, very simple. And so Brother Branham goes on to say, and said, Remember, the Holy Spirit came to seal those who God foreknew. That's right. That's the best statement I got today, folks. I was listening to it this morning as I was coming down the highway. The Holy Spirit comes to seal those that He foreknew. Guess what? He's looking for you. It, it's not you looking for Him. It's Him looking for you. Because He foreknew you. He knew you'd be on the earth in this age. He knew you'd be here at this time. And He knew that you were a child of God and you had eternal life. And Jesus said, no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. And so he's on the hunt. He's actually looking for you to seal you with the seal of God. And remember from last Sunday what the seal of God is. It is a token or an exemption from judgment. You remember the one in Ezekiel chapter 9 where, uh, you know, the, the, the six men with six angels with the slaughtering weapons were to go out into the city, but there was one that was dressed in white and given a, an inkhorn, and he was to mark those that sigh and cry for the abominations of, of the city that are done in the city, right? And that mark there, that, that, that word in the Hebrew is tov, and it means that they are exempt from judgment. It is absolutely no different uh, than, uh, than Moses telling the children of Israel to put blood on their doorpost. It was a symbol that the blood's been applied, and they are exempt from judgment. And so there's no death angel going to step over that blood and enter into that house. They were free from judgment. They were free from the thing that was going to affect the rest of the world. And so... Brother Branham says that the Holy Spirit come to seal those that God foreknew. If you are foreknown of God, if you have eternal life, if you are with Him before the foundation of the world, the Holy Spirit is here to find you and seal you to make sure that you remain exempt from the judgment that is pulsing in this earth. It is pulsing and waiting to be set free. It is waiting to be released in this earth. It is waiting to be manifest in this earth. The judgment, hey, it's all around us. Come on, folks, wake up. The judgment is all around us. We're a very, very short step from tribulation at this particular point in time. Look around. Look at the economy. Look in, in the medical world. Look in the, uh, in the scientific realm and the, uh, the technologies that exist today. We're a very short step from financial catastrophe and military catastrophe. China has now become the largest naval force in the world. Uh, they're, they're just surpassing uh, uh, the, the United States in leaps and bounds. And uh, you know the technologies that are out there, it's just absolutely... Str- make your head spin 
uh, to see what's happening out there and the pace at which it's happening. We're a very short step from tribulation as we sit here this morning. But you know what? It's not going to happen until every member of the Bride of Christ, every foreknown son and daughter of God, is sealed to be exempt from judgment. It's not going to happen until every one of them are, are, are sealed in the kingdom of God and then taken away. And then, of course, judgment will vent on the earth. But it's pulsing already in the earth. How many would agree? All right. Now hang on to this statement here for a moment here. We, I showed you this last Sunday here. In Genesis, Brother Bam said... We realize different things back happen back here. And for instance, Babylon appeared first in Genesis, and we have to watch Babylon. It appears over here in the middle, in the Old Testament, Daniel's time, and he says, and then comes over in Revelation. It's Revelation 17 and 18. It's identified again and judged in the book of Revelation. And he said, it began as the gates of God, and then Babylon, which is confusion. Idolatry started back there. Every tree, he said, started back in the book of Genesis. So, Every, every cult, every organization, everything started back there in the book of Genesis. You'll find its roots. Brother Manham said one time, he's in a, after he made these statements like this, and he had a, a piece of paper, somebody had given him a question and said, Can you, do you mind identifying the verse of scripture that says the assemblies of God started in the book of Genesis? And, uh, they were a, a cult back there, and, and uh, Brother Manham says, he says, there's no scripture that says that. But he said, the spirit that caused that, began back in the book of Genesis. So he says, everything has its origins, good, bad, and indifferent. Everything has its origins in Genesis. Now, hold on to what I'm going to tell you here. We find out that the first marking of a human being started in Genesis chapter 4. If you don't mind, take your Bible. I don't have all of this here in in Genesis chapter 4. Since it all began back there, let's just go back and take a look for a moment here, because I want to show you couple of things. Genesis, the fourth chapter. So, looking at this particular image right here, <clears throat> you can think that all of the error and this subject related to the mark of the beast happened after the flood, after the first 2,000 years. And that's not true. This is where Babylon started. All right? And that's what Brother Ram's describing here. Remember this attitude that uh, Nimrod and the people of Babylon had. We're going to build a tower. We're going to make sure judgment doesn't happen to us again. We got this. We can handle this. We don't need to fear the devil. We don't need to worry about what God brings on the earth. We've got it. And so they built their own... Uh, resource. They built their own tower, and they were going to avoid judgment by doing this, and that was their motive in, in building this tower in the first place. But then Brother Branham says that the first marking of a human being with the mark of the beast, he said, was in Genesis chapter 4, God marked Cain. And that's where the first mark of the beast was ever put on, was with Cain. He is the beginning of it. So Cain was someone who had access to the same revelation that Abel did, Right? And he held church, he offered offerings, he had an altar, he had a church, uh, probably collected tithes, probably did everything that uh, Abel did in relation to church. But he had no revelation of, of what God required. In other words, he had also no revelation of what brought the fall. And so therefore he could not offer the right offering to be, bring things back up to where they needed to be. And so 
when Abel's offering was accepted, of course, Cain was jealous and he killed, uh, he killed his brother. Cain killed his brother and uh, then God set a mark on him. But now I want you to just watch if you don't mind. In, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8, and Cain talked with Abel. And that word talked in the Hebrew there, it means to brag or to boast. So he wasn't just chatting with, uh, with, with Abel. He was rather boasting about how much greater he was and how much greater, how much more he knew than his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So in the mind of Cain, he thought he was superior to Abel, but he found out his revelation was actually lacking compared to Abel's. And so this set that jealousy up in, and this response up in Cain, and so he killed his brother. And so the Lord said unto him, Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And, and, and they have this conversation down here. And, uh, uh, you know, God says to him, well, Abel's brother, Abel's blood is calling from the earth and, and, and so forth. And so God decides to put this mark on Cain. And then it says in verse 13, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. And behold, I want you to watch what God does here. He said, Thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Why did he say, why did he say this? Brother Branham says, um, Cain was just an ordinary man like Esau or Jacob would have been ordinary people. And you have to understand that before the flood, when you, when you look at the, the, the years of people's lives and the genealogy of people's lives, uh, Adam was still alive when Enoch was actually born. Adam was still alive when Enoch was born. And he lived 300 years even after the time that Enoch was born. And at the time of Enoch's translation, only Adam had died of the people mentioned in Genesis chapter 5, the next chapter. Let me say that again. Of, at the time of Enoch's translation, when Enoch was taken off the earth, Adam really was the only person who died of the people mentioned in Genesis chapter 5, except Abel. So you have to just, just yeah, this is really hard for you to think about. Back in that day, they really never had funerals. There were, there were no uh, gravesides besides churches, and there was no funeral homes. There were no funeral parlors. They came much later. So by the time that Enoch is translated... He's the seventh from Adam. It's only Enoch who has died, or I'm sorry, uh, Abel who has died. And Enoch's taken off the earth. And that's it. So Abel dying was really a big deal. Abel's death would have been something that everybody would have heard about or known it's not so common now when someone dies. We might even read about it. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we move on because there's so many people who die every day now. But in the first 2,000 years before the flood, there were very, very few people who actually died. But now that Abel is dead at the hand of Cain, 
Everybody's going to realize they're going to connect Cain with Abel's death. And the reason that they're not in the Garden of Eden at all is because of what happened in the Garden of Eden with Eve. In other words, there'd be a connection. And this is what Cain is actually lamenting to God. He's actually saying that when people see me, they're going to connect me with the whole reason that there was a fall. Because they say, I came from uh, this relationship with the serpent and, and Eve. There was no misconception about who the, the serpent actually was back in the first 2,000 years, let me assure you. Because there were people who lived in the first 2,000 years who could tell exactly what happened. In other words, Adam was right there. They could go down to Adam's house and ask him what the story was. And Adam could tell you, I can, I can describe what happened to you. I can tell you exactly what happened. They were alive. They were eyewitnesses of what happened there. And Cain is simply saying that I'm going to be identified with all of this and the trouble in, in the world. If you put a mark on me and everybody can see it, they'll say in the marketplace, ah, there's Cain. Never saw him before, but there he is. He's got that, he's got that, he's marked. And Cain says, hide me. And God hides him. So now you have an ordinary man who goes down in the land of Nod, finds a wife, marries her, has children, and you have an ordinary man with what looks like an ordinary family, and he has ordinary children, and it's all blending now into the community. And what happens is Cain is unidentifiable as somebody who has the mark of the beast. So is it today. Now, God, though, doesn't want there to be confusion. So to avoid any confusion, we go to Genesis chapter 5. And if you don't mind, just flip over to chapter 5. There's a space of time between the end of 4 and chapter 5. Moses writes this. This is the book of the generations of Adam. This is not the generations of Adam and Eve. This is the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them. Verse 3, And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And he describes that lineage all the way down through and comes all the way down, uh, all the way down to the end of the chapter which describes Noah. So God is simply saying here, I want to remove any confusion here. Because there are other people in the earth, but they're not mine. They're not descendants of Adam. Are we okay? But how do we know? We really don't know, unless these people are listed in the lineage right here. But the rest of the people are ordinary people living in the world. So you have everybody... Everybody mingling together. And some of them are the direct lineage of Adam, who was a direct descendant or creation of God, right? That's a pure line. But you have another line that's in the earth, but invisible to everybody else. Interesting. And so, this, this is where Brother Branham said, it all begins back here in the book of Genesis. Watch now. True Easter seal. Satan's sons will be sealed in the last days. There's a time now the Bible spoke of 
We all do not have the seal of God. That all that did not have the seal of God took the mark of the beast. And we know that the mark of the beast is unbelief. He says, where did you say the mark of the beast begin? In the Garden of Eden. Mark of the beast and the seal of God were performed in the Garden of Eden. It's performed through Easter, where the death of Abel brought forth Seth. Brother Bram describes about Abel when he died. He said he died holding on to his lamb. He said that's how he died in the Garden of Eden. He was holding on to his lamb and Cain killed him. And Brother Bram said that, that the whole thing, he said, speaks of resurrection and uh, how that from uh, Abel came Seth. And, you know, God raised up Seth and he became, uh, you know, the, the lineage, uh, the, the progenitorship from Adam. And, you know, the lineage came down through. Brother Bram said that's the same thing for us. He said when we, when we surrender our life to Christ, he said we die holding on to the Lamb. We die holding on to the cross. We have to let everything go. It's not our life anymore, but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And as we continue to hold on to that lamb, as we continue to hold on to that, that cross and hold on to the blood of Christ, he said that identifies you with the people of God. It identifies you, not as an unbeliever, but somebody who, I, who believes uh, that Jesus Christ died for their sins, right? And somebody who believes uh, what, what Jesus actually did for them in their, in their particular time. And he goes on to say, he said, Cain was the son of Satan, and he was the son of the beast, which beguiled Eve. And call it whatever you want to. He said he was the son of Satan. What did he do? God put a mark on him and sent him out from the presence of God. But remember, people now, in subsequent generations, never could identify Cain or his offspring because God had hidden them. Are we there? Are we okay? I'm just giving you something to think about here at the beginning. As in the beginning, this is when it all began, and as it goes out into the earth here. But God wants to remove any confusion by writing chapter 5 and saying, all right, this is where it began with Adam. Adam had a son, and this was his son. This is all the way down through. It comes all the way down to Noah. God wants to remove any doubt here, because there was another seed line that was injected in here, and they're in the earth, and they're not marked. They're not identified as some, uh, you know, different type of people over here. They're ordinary people. People living just like ordinary lives, just like you and I. Brother Bram said, there are people that are, many of them are sincere. He said they want to do right. He said they'll be in churches. They're religiously inclined exactly the same way. But let me tell you something. It's pointless for you and I to begin to divide or say, well, you know what? I think he's one and she's not. And he's one. He said, hey, let God sort all that out because the Lord knoweth them that are his. And the last thing you want to do is put your energy into identifying who's who. After all, wouldn't all of our enemies have the mark of the beast? Everybody who unfriends you on Facebook, they'd certainly have the mark of the beast, right? Everybody who uh, didn't agree with your teaching or your, your ideology or whatever else, my goodness, they'd certainly be the mark of the beast. We, we, we'd be quick to identify people we don't like. That's not how God does it, because it was not determined, it was not determined by God based on people's conduct, right? It all had an origin back here in the Garden of Eden. But we've got something even better than that. So hang on here. Hang on here. Paul writes in the uh, New Testament, and he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he said, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. There are certain things that are being fulfilled. God's allowing it to happen. Then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. If things were obviously obvious, God would not need to reveal them. 
But in the last day, he does reveal the wicked one. Right? Go look up who people think the Antichrist is. Don't look it up. But go look up who people think the Antichrist is. Don't look it up. And you'll find all kinds of answers. You know why? Because it's not revealed. There will come a day when everybody knows who the Antichrist is and where it comes out of. There will come a day when it's manifest, folks. But right now, it's obscure. It's obscure. Even him who's coming uh, is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So there's some people who don't receive the, the truth. They don't receive the love of the truth. Aren't you glad you've received the truth in your day? Aren't you glad that God opened your eyes to see and know what truth is in, in, in our time? And to be able to have a love for it and a passion for it and a desire for it and a zeal for it in our time. Let me tell you, that's not something you got just by being in this church. That's something that God births inside a human being and replaces that old sinful nature that loves the world and the things of the world. But God puts a love inside of us for the things of God and the Word of God and take it all away. But we still have Christ. We still have it all. And there's a people who have a love for the truth and a passion for it. And there's people here who are deceived uh, with all unrighteousness. And for this God, cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Hold on now to these thoughts here. So this is a, a, a continual theme for Paul in Ephesians 1, uh, as we have read many times. He said, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now stop. The mark of the beast began in the Garden of Eden, right? We just read that. But God did something with His own, His attributes, before the foundation of the world. Here's Brother Branham. He drew some sort of a drawing like this back in his day. And I'm sure so most of you have probably seen this drawing in some form or another. But in the beginning was the self-existing one, Jehovah, just by Himself. And in him were attributes, and then he began to express himself. Christ is the expression of the Logos and so forth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, right? So God went from the invisible God above us to God with us. Are we okay? Christ, Jesus Christ, is an expression of the invisible God. And all that God was, he poured into Christ, right? Are we okay? So when Jesus Christ walks on the earth and says to the people, well, you know, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because he was an expression of God, he deals with different people. He deals with the Pharisees. And before Jesus came, the Pharisees had a certain amount of light. They had a certain amount of righteousness. They had a certain amount of religious practice, which gave them, in a sense, of purity uh, in, before the people and before God. The woman at the well had nothing but a lousy testimony. She'd been married four or five times, and the one she was living with now was not her, test, was not her real husband, right? So when they, when they come to Jesus, the Pharisees are more on the white side, and the woman at the well is pretty black. That's why she's at the well by herself. But when they encounter Christ, then all of a sudden there's a change. Because the woman at the well... She accepts, she recognizes that this is the Christ, this is the Messiah, this is the one that we've long awaited for. But the Pharisees, they rejected him. They could turn away from him. Now watch what Brother Branham says. I'll come back to that in a moment. He said the Pharisees had a little bit of light. 
Brother Bram teaches this very carefully. This is 1964. He said they were good people, lived a religious life, had a little light about them. They had organized, they had uh, uh, organized, and they had a priesthood. So they had order. Matter of fact, they had lots of order. And they had lots of rules and guidelines and all the rest of it. And they had a priesthood. They had a, you know, based on Moses' law. And they had an intercession uh, to God and all the rest of it. They had a little light. But down in the bottom of their heart, they had no eternal representation in glory. So when they seen the supernatural done, they said, well, this man's Beelzebub, a devil. And what happened? That put out the light they had. You remember, if they acknowledged that what Jesus did was actually of God, they would have either had to believe it, embrace it, lay down their ministry, lay down their church uh, uh, position, and all of that, and follow Jesus like a disciple, like everybody else, or deny it. That's why I told you, I think, uh, a little while ago, I showed you that picture of that pastor who, uh, in Africa, had left that Pentecostal church, I think it was last Sunday, he left that Pentecostal church, and in African countries, somebody who's a member, a minister in a denomination, he gets a pension, he gets a fee for life uh, if he remains a pastor in that group. And so for him in Africa to walk away from that guaranteed income and stand for the message where there is no organization and there's no hierarchy and there's no uh, pension fund for ministers in Central Africa, let me tell you, that's a man who's got a revelation. Because he realizes that if I accept Christ, then I've got the pearl of great price. I've got it all. But he's got to have a revelation in order to say that and actually go to his family and say, Honey, we're leaving. We're walking away from all of it. And we're going to trust God is going to provide for us the rest of the days. Let me tell you, that's a step of faith for him to do that. Right? But these religious people right here, if they had agreed with Jesus and what he did and the miracles that he did and the signs that he provided for them, they would have had to walk away uh, from all that uh, they had built up and all they had, uh, you know, associated with over the years and step out in faith and follow Christ like Jesus mentioned to the rich young ruler. And it would have been quite a revelation for them to do that, quite a sacrifice for them to do that. But because they did not, it put out the light that they had. So the understanding, the light, the, the pluses they had, the assets they had, were destroyed because of their rejection of Christ. Right? Why would that be? Because they didn't purposely do that. But why would that be? Because they had no representation from before the foundation of the world. Romans 8, whom he did foreknow, then he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Watch now. Israel was all outward, spiritually, all filled with God's goodness and how they reverenced God and so forth, but that didn't work. The inside of them couldn't recognize the word itself. So just doing good things and just having order and having church and having the laws of Moses in their hand, that was not really good enough, right? Everybody okay? You understand the implication, right? Being in a message church, having the message on your phone, visiting Jeffersonville once a year. Sorry, it ain't good enough. It's got to be something more than that. But when you're born of the Spirit of God, then you are a son of God, and you always was a son of God, and you always will be a son of God. No way to separate it because you have eternal life. And eternal never did begin... And neither will it end. 
Eternal means that it never had a beginning, and neither will it ever end. So let me tell you something. The mark of the beast had a beginning, but eternal life never did. And so if I've got eternal life, the Holy Spirit is here to seal me because I have eternal life, not because I got eternal life or attained it in this life. I always had eternal life, and God's just looking for His own. God's just hunting down His family. That's all He's doing. There's one eternal spirit, one eternal life. That's God. God alone is the eternal. And then we, being His children, are a part of Him. That is, attributes of His thinking. Each individual that possesses this eternal life was before the foundation of the world in God's thinking. Glory to God. You don't remember it. None of you are overly excited about that. I can tell by the looks on your faces there. You're not really excited because you don't know what it's like to be in uh, somebody's thoughts, uh, you know, even before you're born. Right? You don't even remember, you don't even remember being born. Thank goodness. But here we are. Brother Bam's letting us know for sure that he said every individual that possesses eternal life was before the foundation of the world in God's thinking. And that's the reason we have eternal life. In the same principle. So it does not depend on anything you did or professed or any mistakes you made. Because all of us occasionally run into the spirit of stupid and we do things that we regret. How many can say amen? And there are things that, my goodness, if we could have the time back, if we could have the people back, if we could have the words back uh, that, that we said and things that we did, let me tell you, we would all make those adjustments if we could. But let me tell you something. You never gained it by saying everything right. You're not going to lose it by not saying everything right. This decision was made before the foundation of the world. And I'll guarantee you, it was made long before the mark of the beast was ever instituted in the Garden of Eden. This was done. This was decided. This was determined from before the foundation of the world. And that's the reason we have eternal life. In the same principle that the great Son of God, the Redeemer, we became sons and daughters of God through that same Spirit, by the same foreknowledge of God. Let me tell you, in the same way that Eve came from Adam, not from another man, but she came from Adam, she could always go back to Adam because that's where she came from. In the same way the bride came from Christ, we can go back to Him because that's where we came from. And if this statement here is true, then this is true. Because the only reason that we believe, like the woman at the well, the only reason that out of our sinfulness and our darkness and out of our uh, unbelief and out of all of the all of the muck and the mire of our early life and our natural birth, out of that, well, let me tell you something. The, the people of God, the elected of God, had something that the world knows nothing about, and that is representation from before the foundation of the world back to Father God, Jehovah, who dwelt alone with His attributes, and I was there. And that's not something that you can create, or that's something that you can conjure up. That's something that she had that Jesus simply uncovered. Are you following me? That's just something he uncovered when he talked to her. Let me tell you, when Jesus Christ talks to you long enough, if you're, if you're a seed of God, he's going to strike something sooner or later. And he struck it in her, and she realized who this was. That's Rahab's story. That's Rahab's story, right? Rahab does not have a testimony that's commendable to anybody. 
Rahab does not have a background that's, that's uh, enviable for anybody. Rahab doesn't have that. Rahab has only got a mess behind her. But yet, when she hears the Word of God by those messengers that came, she receives it and it uncovers something that proves that she has eternal life. When I heard the message, when you heard the message, when we all heard the message of the hour, it's simply... Let me tell you, it doesn't create eternal life. It uncovers the fact that you have eternal life. So let me tell you, the mark of the beast, hey, it came after. I've already been sealed. And the Holy Spirit found me. That's what he was here to do, is to seal the people of God, right? The devil can impersonate any of those things, but he cannot be the Holy Ghost. He cannot impersonate those gifts. He can impersonate those gifts, but he can't be the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the token that the blood has been applied because it follows the blood all the way from the book of redemption. Glory to God. So when our names are put on the Lamb's Book of Life, we don't even have an organ, but when our names are put on the Lamb's Book of Life, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit followed that blood all the way down through there from the book of redemption, all the way down until the last one is sealed, and then the bride of Christ is gone. So, going back to Revelation, flip back, if you don't mind, to Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. In verse 4, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. So those that are capable of marking the unbeliever, i got news for you. They're not even looking for you. Hello? They're not even looking for you. Uh, if, if, I, if I understand this correct, they've got, they've got destruction to bring. They've got a job to do. And they're commanded to do this, not do this, and so forth. But only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. The only ones you can touch are those who do not have the seal of God in their forehead. So when these destroying angels that are moving through the earth come to you and see the seal of God on you, you know what they do? They pass by. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's, a, that's a pretty great thing. I mean, what's the difference in that and the first exodus when... You know, you could see that angel coming down the road with a great big sword. And he was coming for your house because you lived at the end of the cul-de-sac. Right? Your, your, your Quonset hut was at the end of the cul-de-sac. And here comes this angel and he's got his eye on your, he's looking at your house. And he comes to the house and he sees the blood and just goes right past. He's not even looking at you. He's not even concerned about you because he's got an order. And this order is declared here very clearly. I mean, this book of Revelation has been written for 2,000 years. John, John on the Isle of Patmos wrote it, right? Right? And so therefore, you know, they've got, they've got orders, and the orders are very specific. You can touch everybody in the earth except those that have the seal of God on their forehead. So what they're, what, what they're after is not what you've got. What they're after is what they don't see in people. What they're after is they're looking for a, a group of people that uh, they, they have... 
they don't have a zeal and a passion for the Christ of their day. What identifies you, folk, is, is not a barcode, and it's not an RFID chip that Walmart puts in your hand. It's not that at all. It, it's, your, it's, your, it's your believing. It is your trust in Christ. It is your believing that, you know what, I'm like the woman at the well. I, I might have had a lousy past, and I might, have made, I might have made a lot of mistakes, and I might have messed up a whole lot. But praise God, I know I've got representation from before the foundation of the world that ties me back to the eternal. And you know what, I'm a son of God. Yes, I made mistakes. Yes, I still do mistakes. Yes, I still do stupid every now and then. But you know what, I have eternal life. And if I have eternal life, I cannot lose eternal life because I'm a part of God, and God doesn't lose anything. And it's not good enough for us to just say that. We really got to mean it because God's not fooled by your words. God weighs the heart. God knows exactly. Listen, the devil can impersonate anything that's out there, but he cannot be the Holy Ghost. And God knows them that are his. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Do you believe that? Jesus died that he might breed back. Hallelujah. Only the blood can do that. Only through the chemistry of the blood of Christ can breed back a person again that won't vary from one word that God had said. Only the blood of Christ can do that. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Christ? God made a way for you to come clean. God made a way for you to come back. And and let me tell you, those that mark with the mark of the beast are not even looking for you. They don't even see you. They pass right over you like they passed over the houses of the believers in the first exodus. Because you're not one of them to be marked. You've already been identified. Already been sealed. Already been there. Now, so Brother Bram summarizes, says, now see what the mark of the beast is? He said it's a mark of apostasy. doesn't mean that you have a tattoo in your face. It, it don't have to be that. It's not talking to the outward. It's talking to spiritual. And he says in the mark of the beast and the seal of God, he said the seal of God is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The mark of the beast is rejecting it. Pretty clear, isn't it? Pretty clear. Thankful that it's pretty clear. So that's why Jesus can stand and say, All the Father has given me will come to me. And he that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out, because this is a part of himself. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. In the same way that Adam couldn't cast out Eve out of the Garden of Eden, because he loved her. She was a part of him. Neither can we be cast out by Christ, because we're a part of him. And that's the Father's will. That he should lose none of them. This is the Father's will which has sent me. This is not your will. This is Brother Ram's will. This is God's will. This is his own will by which he lives. That of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but shall raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. That's the Father's will. Let me tell you, representation connects you to the eternal. Representation connects you to forgiveness of sin. Right? Representation gives us an awareness of what it is that's going on in this world. 
it gives us an understanding of what's going on in this world. Where everybody else has to search online and leave an opinion on there about what they think it is. We know what it is. We're good with that. Not a problem. So we just leave a like or a thumbs up or something else to the Word of God, right? And in, in, your, in, in our vernacular today, God would see every time you know, a sermon comes forth or every time a message is preached or whatever else, God's looking for you to post a like to that. Thumbs up. Because when somebody texts us or says something to us and we really like it, that's often what we send back. You don't have people who, if I, if I send out a quote to, to people, most people don't send me back a, a note saying, I like this quote because they don't do that. Usually it's, or some other similar, uh, my boys are much more creative than just a thumbs up and I can't show you all the ways that they are creative, but uh, they a lot of times, that's, that's, that's what we do. We, we have a, a symbol that, that shows our agreement, that shows that we like that. I, I will tell you something that uh, even, though, even though sometimes it may be hard to juggle all the words that are said in a particular sermon, many of you will just go away with the, I don't know, it's just a sense that I believe that. That's true. I, I, I believe that from the Word of God. I believe that from the message of the hour. That's true. That the mark of the beast came because people that were able to reject the Word of God did. But for the people of God, for the elect of God, that were in the mind of God, for those that, those that he foreknew, he predestinated. That group in Romans chapter 8, let me tell you, that group, they were ordained to believe, and they do believe. When the Word comes across their path, they do believe. And they trust God. They, they acknowledge that God is real, God is true, and I, He's my Father. He, he's my Savior. He's the one who bled and died for my sins, and I believe that with all my heart. And whether, whether I live in the, in the early ages or whether I live in the last ages, and no matter what we have to go through, that doesn't change anything that God determined back in eternity. It doesn't change anything that God decided back in eternity. And so therefore, I, I, I'm, I'm secure. Therefore, no matter how bad things get, no matter how dark things get, we are a people who don't have to live by fear. There's a lot of people who live by fear because they don't have anything else to live by. But we don't have to live by fear because, you know what? We know who's in control. And the same God who controlled it even before there was anything to control, He's still in control tonight. He's still in control today. And He's got it. He's got it. Under, under his wing, he's got it under control. It's going to turn out okay. It's going to turn out according to his will. Jesus says all we're doing is living out his will. All we're doing is expressing his will. That's all we're doing. This is not our will. None of us woke up one day and said, I think I'm going to be saved. None of us did that. But God knew every one of us, and the blood followed us all the way down to where we were in our sinfulness and redeemed us because we were sons of God and, and daughters of God. And that's why we are where we are today, is because of His grace and His finding us and His knowing us and our name being put on the Lamb's Book of Life long before this world ever stood. And so, 
Right, we don't have to live by fear. We don't have to live by worry. We don't have to live by headlines. We don't have to live by government decrees. We don't have to live by anything that Caesar, uh, you know, would dictate to us. Hey, there's things we go along with, but let me tell you, we live by a higher power. We live by a higher order. We live because of a higher word that God has given to us. And even if this world passes away, people of God are not going to pass away because we have eternal life. So yeah, things can get rough and things can get tight and things can get quarrely sometimes and things can happen that we don't have answers for. Things that, things that are going to happen in your life that you don't have an answer for and your pastor doesn't have an answer for. There are things that are going to happen in your life that only eternity will probably reveal to you. But let me tell you, when squirrely things happen in your life and the unusual and the bad things happen in your life, it's then that your faith is going to have to be greater than your understanding of current events. You remember, you remember when Joseph was in, in the book of Genesis, when Joseph was sold uh, you know, to Potiphar and, and put in the prison and all of those years and didn't have an answer as to what God was really doing. He did not have an understanding. He could not tell everybody he met, this is why I'm here. Because there was a lot of things about where he was and why he was there that Joseph didn't fully understand. Because if I read the book right, Joseph never got out of the will of God. He stayed in the will of God the whole time he was in Potiphar's house and the whole time he was in jail. He went to jail because he did the right thing, not because he did the wrong thing. If he had done something wrong, then there would be a clear understanding as to why he's in jail. But he does the right thing, and he's in jail. And, And... he doesn't always have an answer as to why things are the way they are. But his faith in God and what God told him was greater than his understanding of the events around him. And I'm telling you that that's exactly the position I believe that God is bringing us to. I really believe that with all my heart. That what we're looking at in our world is a shaking and an upset and a, and, and a disturbance from the status quo or the way we've always lived. This year has proven to us that things can change quickly and we don't always get to live the way we used to live. And you know what? We're just in our, just in our economy alone, in our economy alone, there are, there are changes that are radical. There are changes that are going on that are, that are uh, really, uh, I think, that are far reaching. The effects of those things are far reaching. But I will say this, <clears throat> that a lot of us, a lot of us enjoy the consistency that we have in life because We're still able to work and still able to bank and still able to do all the things that we do. And as Brother Branham taught us, a lot of it is on borrowed money, right? On borrowed time. And so as a result of that, if something in that realm changed, huh, you know what you'd have? You'd have a rush of people trying to get to church earlier to get a seat. Because there is just about nothing else that drives, drives people to greater desperation than when their livelihood is threatened and their resources are threatened and everything else. It makes people think a little bit differently about things. And a lot of times, many, many of those things are just wake-up calls. They're just trying to get people to focus on the things that matter. Because in our world, it's easy to focus on things that don't matter. Back, back. If I, if if you go back to the days that, sorry, if you go back to the days, like the days of Abraham, 
Abraham and Sarah spent their days probably looking after their flocks and their herds, but they spent a lot of time just focusing on the fact that God's made us a promise of a son. And we're going to stay focused on that promise. And we believe that promise. And one day it's going to come to pass. And Brother Branham said they prepared for it. They actually lived it. And they, they, they knew that one day it was actually going to come and come to pass. And he said that, Brother Branham explains that, that the mark in the forehead, he said, is your revelation. And the mark in your hand is what you do about it. And so when we, when we physically prepare f- to live in another world, we're not, we're not preparing to live in this world. Our, our kingdom is not in this world. Our, our riches are not in this world. And as our hearts begin to turn to that reality, let me tell you something. You, we begin to act differently. We don't have to live by fear like the rest of the world. If you don't have any other resource, you're going to turn to your own resources. And when they run out, then you're going to get scared. But for the people of God, we never are a people without resources. We never are a people who have, uh, you know, have a barrel that runs dry because the God we serve is still Jehovah Jireh. He's a God of supplies. And He can supply out of the middle of nowhere. He can supply out of nothing. That's our God that we serve. And let me tell you, it's our believing that makes a difference. And we believe because we are the children of God. The people who mark for the mark of the beast are not even looking for you. Because your profession is going to turn them away. Your profession is going to turn them away. You've got to make sure what your profession is. Well, do you go to church? Do you go to church? Well, you know, I, I sort of do and I sort of don't. Do you pay tithes? Well I, well, I did. One time I did. Your profession is going to turn a death angel away. Your profession, the things that you profess, the things that you can say honestly, that's going to turn away somebody who marks with the mark of the beast. For us, our profession is the Word of God, right? For those who believe our profession is the Word of God. Hey, have you ever cut your hair? No, I never have because this is what the Scripture says. Do you have a, uh, do you have a church? Yes, I have a church because that's, that's what the order of God is. Uh, you know, have you been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I sure have because that's what the order of God is. They're not looking for you. The people who mark the unbelievers are not looking for you. They're not looking for believers. Because the believers are already sealed. They've got representation from before the foundation of the world. And if they mark you, they get in trouble with Father God. I don't know about you, but I I mean, I think that's great. I, I I think it's a comforting thing. That, that we, can, we can enjoy the fact that we can be living in a world where the whole world is moving towards the darkness of tribulation and all the rest of that. And all of what Revelation 9 describes there. And the woes that are coming into the world. And the things that are, uh, things that are taking place. The things that are progressing in the world and coming to pass. Where the woes are being poured out. And beginning to manifest themselves. And we don't have to worry. I talked to brothers, I've mentioned the, the local church here, talked to brothers who lived in, in Poland, ministered in Poland, and, and uh, Poland was where the major concentration camps were located. 
And I remember this brother telling me, he personally, we sat down at a table and he told me personally how they'd get up in the morning as little boys. He said they'd be five, six, seven years old. And the mother would send them out to hoe the potatoes because that's how they had food through the winter. And he said they would go out every morning and he said they'd take their, their shovel, turn it upside down or the hoe, and they would just knock the, uh, the dust off the potato plants. And he said, we never realized that these were the ashes of human beings that were carried on the winds from the concentration camps down the road. And he said, they covered our gardens and covered our plants. And he said, we'd knock at them and knock at them and knock the ashes off, and then we'd hoe the weeds out of the garden. And he said, we, we, not until it was over, not until it was all done, did we ever realize the horrors that were being committed right in our backyard, right in our, outside of our communities. He said, we never, we never realized that. And every morning we'd go out and kick that dust off the, off the plants. He said, then we realized afterwards, he said, what that dust actually was. It was the, it was the remains, the ashes of, uh, of the Jewish people and the gypsies and all the other people who died in those concentration camps. And he said, the feeling that came over us when we realized this is what that actually was. And I said, what did you do when you found that out? He said, we said nothing. Because we were so fearful. We said nothing. We were, didn't respond in any way. We went out the next morning and did the same thing. Because he said for us to speak up and object to that and say, hey, what's going on? He said we would have been marched right to that same camp and died the same way. He said we actually did nothing. And if you don't think that the circumstances around you can paralyze you with fear and worry, let me tell you, you're sadly mistaken. Because there are things that happen in our world that can be so utterly devastating and frightening that, you know, I mean, it would sober up the, the vast majority of us. You're going to need more than just personal diligence or the knowledge of this before it's all over. You're going to need something that holds you rather than you holding on to this, what I tried to say today. When all of this begins to manifest and these, bowl, these bowls of judgment, which are vials, are poured out into the earth, you're going to need more than just, uh, you know, uh, a, a remembrance, a physical remembrance of what, uh, what, what Brother Barry actually said about this or that. You're going to need more than that. You're going to need the Holy Spirit in the inside, quickening that word and having, you, having that tie post just be solid so that nothing in this world can pull that or move that or sway that. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying that as we move into the book of Revelation here, in our study of this whole thing, and the mark of the beast and the seal of God, and we move into that, we find descriptions of things that are moving in the earth. Some of them have already happened, but most of them have not. But they're already beginning to stir in the earth. And if that's true, you're going to need to have more than just, yeah, I know that God sent a prophet. Or I know mom and dad, you know, they've always been in the message. You're, going to, you're just going to need to have more than that. Otherwise, you're going to go out the next morning and just kick the ashes off the potato plant and do what you always did and hope that somehow or another it goes away. We're on a, a collision course with things not going away. We're on a collision course with change. And that change is going to culminate in the change of your body. And our own personal theories don't matter. Our own personal, uh, you know, legalism doesn't matter. Our, our, own, our own sense of our own destiny even doesn't matter. It's not up to you. I said it's not up to you. Jesus said, no man is going to pluck them out of my hand. 
So you have an insurance, you have an overseer, you have an advocate that's going to stand there and see you through if you have eternal life. Hey, let me tell you, it'll, it'll not fail because these are words in red. This is what Jesus promised us. And he will, I believe he will, see us through to the very end. He'll see you through to your seat in the marriage supper of the Lamb. <clears throat> but without it, without it, I think the forces in this world... Over this last year, we've proven are stronger than most people's opinions. And no matter whether people deny it, whether people believe it, whether people have tried to prevent it, or whatever else, we've still got a virus that's changed our lives, right? We've still got a condition in the world that's changed things around us. Uh, you just have to think about, what if it got worse? God forbid. But as we move into the book of Revelation, there are some sobering things described there that make us appreciative of the fact that there is a seal of God. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come back. I'm glad for the seal of God. I'm glad for the assurance that we have having the seal of God that allows us to be able to rest. <clears throat> It allows us to be able to rest. Let me give you a little piece of advice Brother Brandon gives us in 1965. Come back to the Word of God and get lined up. We must be Christian soldiers and get orders from the Bible for this hour now. Not the charge yesterday, but the charge today. Which way we go. And these modern events, he said, are slipping by us too swiftly and one day we're going to find out we'll be left behind and be caught, sealed into the mark of the beast before we know it. So, get your orders. Your, the orders are already here. We don't need to wait from on high for the orders to come. The orders are already here. All right. I mean, this, this is what he's telling us. These are, these are the last couple of sermons that he gets to preach to us. And he tells us, hey, you want to know which way we go? God's already declared it. God's already expressed it. I think it's a great thing. Hey, let's sing that little chorus. I'm going to make it. He's already said that I would. Let's sing that this morning here. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for the seal of God? This is a sobering thing, right? When we, when we uh, kind of break it down and, and, and look at it. But Brother Ram doesn't make it complicated. He doesn't make it complicated at all. He, he, makes, it, he makes it very clear. And he, and he takes it a step further than just, you know, what, what we do in this life. He goes back before the foundation of the world. Ties us back there with the eternal. I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a great thing. I'm gonna make it. He's already said that I would, and I keep on trusting that He's working everything for my good. Beside me, and heaven is in my view. Oh, I'm gonna make it through. Sing it again now. I'm gonna make it. He's already. 
keep on trusting that he's working everything for my good and he walks beside me and heaven is in my view I'm gonna make it one more time thank you Lord Jesus sing it again now oh yes I'm gonna make it make it your profession now today he's already said it I'll be thank you, Lord Jesus, and I'll keep on trusting that He's working everything for my good. He walks beside me, and heaven is in my view. grace shall always be my song of praise. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my
depth, Lord, that's found in the book of Revelation and so many things, Lord, that are coming to pass, even as we stand here, Lord. We live in a time, Lord, when you have identified your people, Lord, by their profession, by their believing, by their acceptance of truth, by their passion for it, by people who put God first in everything. People, Lord, who desire to live for the simple truths that are found in the Scripture, Lord, and believing that this message was actually sent to call for a bride, call for her passage into glory. Lord, help us never to make it complicated to where we could somehow or another miss our step. But, Father, may you just continue, Lord, to reveal yourself to us and show us each step that lays ahead for the people of God. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We give ourselves away. We, we realize, Lord, that our, in, our, in our world, our thoughts really are insignificant. Among men, our thoughts really are insignificant. But, Lord, it's what you've decided. It's what you've said. It's what you've determined about this time that we live in that really matters. So, Lord, may we tune out the other voices that exist in our world and may we just focus in on that voice of the Almighty speaks to us. We just want to say this morning, Lord, that we are so grateful that the destiny of the people of God is so vastly different than the destiny of most people in this world. May everyone under the sound of my voice, may they be sure they're one of those that the death angels would have to pass over. And Lord, if somehow or another they're not sure, then they would make a stand. They would make a choice. May they listen to that voice that calls them back to the tree of life. We are thankful, Lord Jesus, that you've made a way for us. And Lord, that grace extends not only to get us out of here, but that grace extends even to us living above sin and corruption in this world. Have your way, Lord, in our hearts, we pray. We thank you for this gathering and thank you for a place to gather. Thank you, Lord, for people who share a common belief and a common love for you. Lord, we don't desire in any way to represent any movement of man or any cult or anything else, but Lord, our desire is just to be known as Christians, people that sealed by God, love God, love His Word. We thank you, Lord, for your grace to us. We thank you for the grace of forgiveness. Forgiveness that comes with the grace of God. Have your way among us. And Lord, there are some we know and some in our assembly that today are listening. Lord, need a healing touch and they need that strength that only you can give. So, like your prophet said, Lord, at the very beginning, it's just our job to believe. We're not to make your word to come to pass because we can't, but we are to believe and we trust you. So, Lord, no matter how good or bad things are, we still want to do just that and to do our part for the kingdom of heaven and this earth. So we who are strong, may we believe on behalf of those that are suffering today. We invite your presence to draw near to them and to give them that touch that they need. We give our hearts now to you and thank you, Lord, for this gathering. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. This.
Every moment I'm away. 